2: This week on the Indo-Daily.
0: I actually don't believe right, that priests said her have any harm. He just like, thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam
1: Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money
2: to former
0: adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as at the procurement of weapons.
1: Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website.
2: This is an Irish independent podcast. The National Football League returned with a bang over the weekend with plenty of drama and excitement across all four divisions. We were treated to a particularly thrilling doubleheader on Saturday evening with Derry edging Kerry and Charlie while Monaghan extended their remarkable league record against Dublin in a dramatic finish in Croke Park. Welcome back to the Throne Podcast for 2024. Will Slattery here with you and I'm delighted to be joined by Colin Keys and Dick Clerkin for our chat today. And Dick, it will be cruel not to go straight to the Monaghan win over uh, Dublin Saturday night I know you were there in Croke Park still a bit you know, tired from the exertions of another dramatic win what a remarkable record Monaghan have over at Dublin you were saying some novelties in life don't wear off and that's definitely one of them
1: great great way to, to kick off the season Will, and great to be back listen I suppose if you remember last year I was cutting a fairly somber figure after a, a fairly meagre opening day for Monaghan against Darma, and, and and certainly that's not the case and Listen, I suppose, as Manning supporters always are, you know, yet we've become accustomed to, to competing and beating Dublin in the National League. Certainly not a novelty, but listen, the excitement in the stands, there wasn't a massive crowd down on Saturday night. There was a good Good cohort of and people traveled down all the same and made plenty of noise. Listen, the excitement, I suppose, listen, I think there was element to everyone was just mad to get out and watch a good competitive game of football. It's been a bit of a, a trudge this last three or four months between the weather and, and nothing really to get excited about. That fed into it. A lot of people were a wee bit apprehensive, weren't too sure what to expect. It was a very young, inexperienced team. Desi, Desi Farrell still had a very strong team out. The game started very poorly from a Monaghan point of view. So when you factor all that into the game, the way it sort of went and, and, and sort of developed, it just made it into hugely exciting for, 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 for every, anyone that was watching it. But for Monaghan people, it was a great shot in the arm heading into the, the year ahead.
2: Yeah, I think it's five wins and a draw from their last five league games against Dublin, which is a you know, a stellar record to, to say the least. And and Colin, Colin, I know Dick doesn't like when we discuss, you know, Monahan punching above their weight or, you know, leaning on those cliches, but sometimes you just have to reflect on, you know, what Monaghan are doing their long unbroken stay in division one, starting the season off, you know, as big underdogs against the All Ireland champions and producing a performance and a victory like that is 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 a phenomenal start to the season.
0: It is, no doubt. And I suppose the the thing about Monat is that the the team continues to evolve and change. You know, maybe the team that Dick was more associated with uh, a decade or more ago that started uh, a winning run under under Maliki O'Rourke and got them up to Division One in 2014 when they beat Donegal in the Division Two final. And that team has changed immeasurably to the team on, uh, that was out there on on Saturday night. And uh, it's changed fundamentally, too, because I, I would have associated you know, good kicking with the Monaghan team of a decade ago. Whereas now it seems to be all about pace. There's so much pace or there appeared to be so much pace and ability to break that line from that Monaghan team by those young players. M- Michael Bannigan, yeah, obviously Stephen O'Hanlon. Uh, and then obviously Carl O'Connell as well, what a what a pace he player right? is. So so much pace there. Uh and and from not broadly speaking, it appears that the the emphasis has changed with them. But they're still turning out these results and still producing players that there's no doubt to, to be able to step up and so those two debutants that combine to uh to engineer the winning score, to be able to do that in a debut in Crow Park against the All Ireland champions, it just shows that the there's a there's a very good system there in which those young players are able to, to fit into. And they don't feel as if they are that detached from the main body. And, and it really has worked out well. And that's been consistent that they're being able to add in two, three players every year and step up, step up, step up the way they have. I have to say, well, I'm still in shock. Not that Monaghan beat Dublin, because that's been happening quite a bit over the last while that Brian Fenton actually made a mistake. Uh, it, uh, it's really jumping out at me, especially in the last ten minutes of a game, because that's obviously more often than not when he's at its best. If you remember the All Ireland semi-final against Monaghan last year, it was his tour to force down the down the closing stretch, and again against Kerry, he's just so economical with the ball, and for him to, to give it away for that for that for that winning point really really caught everyone by surprise, I suppose, much more so than the result in one regard.
1: And and I and I I think, Column and I, I, not to be unfair to Brian Fenton who like, I, I am his biggest fan and I'm, I'm on record for that but it, it sort of it encapsulated the way the game went the whole evening like Dublin I felt and they probably looked at times that they felt that they were just going to get through that game and maybe third gear and they just needed to step it up every so often to put you know, put Monaghan to bed and put distance between the teams. So, you know, Dublin never operated at that sort of high level of intensity that really does sharpen the focus and sharpen the concentration. And they were making mistakes throughout, but they were getting away with it. Whereas Monaghan were sort of fighting and scrapping. And in that moment, you could see the Monaghan players, you know, two or three minutes injury time. They were getting around them. It wasn't passive defending that we've seen in a lot of other games over the weekend. We'll get to that. They were putting, you know, contact on they're getting in Dublin players' spaces not making it easy for them and then that just got that turnover and then even then after that you know you look at the two young lads for Monaghan young Mooney and young Monaghan they just burned up the pitch actually Kieran McNulty passed out if you watch it back, he actually passed out two Dublin players to get on the end of that uh, score so Monaghan just had that wee bit of energy but Dublin just weren't operating at the pitch they needed to be to, to to beat a team at that intensity on the night. And and just, you know, got ahead before the final whistle, wealth. And that's, that's where the game went, you know.
2: Yeah, and Colin, from a Dublin perspective, obviously losing the opening game, they travelled to Castlebar on Saturday night to play Mayo, who obviously had a very impressive victory over Galway. Like, what what is Desi Farrell looking to get from this uh, league campaign? I think a, a number of the season campaigners might not feature that heavily. Stephen Cluxon obviously wasn't involved the weekend. But what will Desi Farrell and Dublin tro- hope to achieve over the next, you know, two months or so?
0: Well, I would have thought them. Probably would have liked to get to a league final. I think it's well set up for Dublin to uh, to reach a league final. Now, I was probably factoring in that they would beat Monaghan, a Monaghan team that is without Rory Beggin, who I would probably consider the most important player, wh- along with David Clifford, shall we say, and, may- and maybe Fenton there too. I would Like Dick, I would rate Fenton so highly in his importance to Dublin. Uh, I would rate Rory Beggin as maybe the most important with those players to any team. It's almost, t- to Monaghan, he's almost Michael Murphy S. Donegal. So I thought they were I thought they were vulnerable without him. Um and I thought Dublin would win well and and I thought they would go on and probably reach a league final. And now now the game against Mayo next weekend is a lot more difficult because Mayo obviously started very, very well uh yesterday as well, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll come to that. But I, I wouldn't look. There's no panic in Dublin or anything like that. They have players to bring in. Dublin probably have better uh, fringe players that team in the auburn Cup they have three or four players that are probably better than the perception around them is there's a perception there that maybe Dublin don't have that wealth of talent coming but they do have they do have some very very decent players that will be able to fill in gaps over the next over the next few weeks I would say find a bit of form and I think when the you know when the real jeopardy comes if any jeopardy comes for Dublin I think you'll see I think you'll see a response I'd be expecting I'd be expecting a big campaign from Kieran Kilkenny after after his championship, a very staggered championship for him uh last year. So I look I, I wouldn't have any concern for Dublin after after one defeat or anything like that. I think they will they'll win more games than they will lose in this campaign.
1: The only thing on that and, and again not it's not to be unfair is is I, I, I watched James McCarthy and Jack McCaffrey who who had sort of sort a little impact the other night and and, and Jack, you know, got, got burned a few times, very unlikely the one thing, you know, and Desi might be mindful of this, you know, you can say what you like, you know, your time is, is no friend to a footballer. And and at what stage does it, is, is, is it apparent that, you know, the, the legs and the impact that these players can have? And what, what does that look like in the summertime? Like that, that's, that to me, for, for Dublin, he got it right last year. Um, and it's, it's, it's a case of, you know, when does he realise that? So, so he needs to see very quickly that, McCarthy, McC- and even Kierkin Kenny, because that's listen. I've I've been through this, um, and is to make sure that the the, the team of the collective don't drop back. Because as I say, so it wasn't a good sign for them. But again, it's too early. They're just out to get the get the legs run. Um, but but that pace, that energy, because you say that that's what teams are going to be bringing now. That just ferocious pace. So it doesn't matter what he is, you are in the but you have to be able to cope with that. So that's going to be a going to be a key thing that that Daddy's going to be looking at to make sure that these players with all the experience and all that they bring to the table can still operate consistently at that level. And that'll be a critical thing for him going into
2: the league and beyond. Yeah, it'll be a big test against Mayo and Castlebar as well. They had some pacey players on show in Salt Hill yesterday. Um, Colin, we might move on to the Kerry-Derry game on Saturday evening. You know, just the, kind of the curtain raiser to the dublin Monaghan match. It was probably the game of the weekend. You know, plenty of end-to-end action drama at the end, only a one-point margin. Ultimately, you know, Mickey Hart going back down to take on Kerry with a new team. Plenty of storylines. What stood out to you?
0: I think the ferocity of the second half stood out to me. Well, how fiercely it was contested. Uh, and after slipping behind, obviously, Kerry really threw so much at it, and they, you know, they scored two goals in the second half, and really they could have had and probably should have had a further two goals. And that's a bit of a concern for for Derry because they can be opened up for goals. Obviously, Fermanagh, at one stage last year scored two against them. Dublin in the league final scored four against them. There was two the other night, and as I said, two more that. That could have followed. Um, so, from that point of view, there has to be a concern for Derry, even though they went down. A great win for them. They went down and they beat Kerry, albeit without the two Clifford's. But they 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 obviously set a target to go and win in win this first game in in Tralee, and they come away with that win. But it's just it's just a concern that they will have that they are being opened up for goal chances, even in the early stages of the All Ireland semi final last year before Gavin White. Before Gavin White uh, scored his goal, he had a chance to score just before that as well. So that's that's there. But all around, they obviously got their Glen players uh, on board and on the bus. And there's a couple of ways of looking at that. These guys are still in a high after the weekend and they want to show their commitment uh, towards Derry. And they want to be part of a weekend going down to play Kerry in Tralee. And that brings its own sense of urgency. And I suppose... The want to be part of the squad early, that this is a big year for them and they recognise that. And obviously there's the fatigue element that you've been celebrating an All-Ireland win for part of the week and then you're on a bus and uh, a three or 300-mile journey, whatever it is, down to the other end of the country and back up. But I think that'll even itself out. I think there'll be breaks for those Lenn players during the during the campaign. I don't think they'll be involved in all seven games or anything anything like that. Um, and I think it was important for Derry and for Mickey Hart, who likes to, who has a good record uh, in his first season league with the teams he's been with. He won a Division One title in 2003 with Tyrone and half a Division Four title with Loud. He likes to get after a good start. McKenna up behind them, bit of momentum, take them into a game against Tyrone next weekend. I still think Derry have a forward or two to find to support Shane McWigan. I think that's a priority in this league. Whether it's Kieran McFall popping up uh, alongside him, you know, Kieran McFall obviously played centre back for Glenn. Maybe he plays more more advanced here. Obviously Ethan Doherty has something to I think they need at least one more forward, scoring forward to step up there to assist with Shane on days that maybe Shane McGuigan is tied up by a Brendan McCall or a Jason Foley if it happens. Uh on, on one of those days that they have another threat there in the inside line.
2: Dick, you know, Colum mentioned there about you know Mickey Hart and his record in his first season. Like, what's your perspective on before I get your thoughts on the game, Mickey Hart in Derry? Generally, obviously, you're so plugged into Ulster football up there. Like, it it was such a big story when it was announced a couple of months ago. You know, do you think it it was a good move for Derry to to bring in Mickey Hart?
1: Uh, ultimately, where they end at the end of the year or where they finish in terms of silverware will will dictate that. You know, yourselves uh, down this part of the world mightn't. Always appreciate how, I don't know what the right word is, venomous the rivalries are often in in Ulster and, you know, whatever, but our man Tyrone over the years, like the historical rivalry at Ulster is is Derry and Tyrone. And and, and across that border area, in terms of South Derry, North Tyrone, it is toxic at times. So it's not sitting well on both sides of the divide. And from Derry's point of view, they're happy once they're winning. And if they keep winning and do well and don't suffer any defeats of their own, everything will be all right. If that turns, it'll turn very quickly as well, I would imagine, I think. So it's all very finely balanced. I think Derry are just riding on a bit of a crest the way they want success. They probably realise too... um, Will that they've got a sort of a, a short enough window in many ways to, to really win in all Ireland in terms of the quality of the players? Like, so Chrissy McCaig, um, Bretton Rogers, who are sort of thirty plus, are there thereabouts? They've you know the window there to to, to go and win this. And and that probably factored into Mickey Hart's decisions to push the Glen players. And, th- and the players know themselves. This is They're not doing maybe like other teams or, or we'll maybe talk about Galway or that. They're, they're trying to build on momentum. They're trying to really not take a step back and sort of see that there's a gap there. Dublin are as strong as they were. Kerry, two reliant on the Cliffords. There's an all-air in there to be won. And leave literally nothing left behind or any stone unturned to go and win that. And that's what you're seeing from Mickey Hart. He's up there. 'cause he sees with an all Ireland twin. That's what he's he's in the business of winning All Irelands and targeting that. And you know, the fact that it's a Derry, it doesn't make anyone happy and throne But he, he he served his time there. And and that's that is the only show in town for Derry football this year. An All Ireland title. And nothing else will get in the way of that.
2: And what did you make of the decision for the Glenn players to play? Like, Mickey Hart insisted that, like, it was kind of a player-led thing that they really wanted to be involved. But should there be, should as a manager, should he have maybe held off on, on that, do you think, for later in the no, year? No,
1: no. I, I think times have changed as well. Like, at the, at the end of the day, like, Conor Glass, it, just take him in his own. Like, he, he's, he's a professional in, 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 in every sense of the word. If he thought... It was the wrong decision, or long term, physically, if if, if, it come against him, he'd have been the first to say, No, Mickey, I think this is the wrong decision and I'm going to take a break off. These players now, they don't go on binges, they don't do, they'll they'll be listening to stories about, you know, what the club players done. Cameron Glass's eyes are focused on an all iron title. He's won pretty much everything else in the game since he's come back from Australia he 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 is his eye set on the end of July and he would have seen like Mickey Hart would have seen beating Kerry away is a serious marker for any team. So that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to put that flag in the ground and he was willing to sacrifice himself possibly in terms of maybe he could have benefited from a week off he says no that, that's more important than me getting a week off recover and enjoy a club on iron with Glenn. Put that marker down. I would imagine he will get a breather later on. But putting that marker down, beating Kerry who beat them last year was something that they wanted to do. They done it, and now they can
2: worry about the next challenge. I think I saw he got engaged over the weekend as well. So very busy whirlwind. There seven, you go, busy seven, man. Yeah, seven days for Conor Glass uh, from a Kerry perspective. Then, Column, you know, you mentioned the goal chances that were you know fairly glaring in the second half, and again, no David Clifford, no Potty Clifford. The Kerry attack maybe doesn't hit its straps. Like so, that concern is still very much live. Obviously, the Island Final it was it was magnified. Like, what what's their perspective on that?
0: Yeah, I just. Again, uh, I'm looking to see who fills three positions for Kerry or who provides options. One of them is obviously midfield. I think who partners with O'Connor. I think it's pretty clear it's going to be Joe O'Connor is in the driving seat for that. And he did well last Saturday night. I thought he was competitive. I heard Colin Cooper saying beforehand, he thought Connor Glass and Brendan Rodgers were the best midfield in the country. And that's that's a view that's going around, which I'm sure people will, will be wondering what, you know, what's what's wrong with Brian Fenton and James McCarthy? they're obviously right up there too but Joe O'Connor still competed very hard in that illustrious company I thought he did I thought he did well I thought Dermot O'Connor when he came in uh, showed up well too the other two positions are for me 10 and 12 who can fill them Killian Burke showed glimpses of what he's capable of but Kerry need players to break the line we spoke about Monaghan and the pace the pace of a player like Stephen O'Hanlon to get in behind the tackler and make them turn them, and Kerry don't have enough of those players that can burn an opponent, opponent and go by them, and that's that's my concern for them uh, in attack. Yeah, obviously they have the greatest forward there is uh, in their company, and Paddy Clifford is a great. He's a creator, and he can, you know, he can take on a defense, but they just don't have enough of that, and they need it. They need those two positions. They need options there. Obviously they have Daramain and there and Stephen O'Brien but Jack O'Connor needs options uh, for both of those positions players that can turn defenders and just not seeing it yet Yeah,
2: it would be interesting to watch I think David and Potty Clifford are missing next weekend as well so the other forwards will get an opportunity to, to showcase if they can kind of fill some of the scoring uh, void when they're not around uh, Dick, the other kind of big Blockbuster clash of the weekend with the Connacht rivals Mayo and Galway going head to head. Mayo won fairly comprehensively in the end. Very disappointing performance from Galway. Were you surprised at how kind of lethargic they looked after, especially losing to Mayo kind of the end their season? You would have thought there'd be a little more, I don't know, vigour about their their effort.
1: Yeah, you'd be just concerned now if you from Galway. If you remember last year, I I was very impressed with them in the league. I seen them down in in Galway when they comfortably beat Monaghan, you know, physically. You know, they, they looked like that every sort of line well covered to really make a, a challenge again for the Ireland type, and it just sort of you know faded away as the year went on. So you just be worried that they haven't sort of bounced back from that. Like usually when you take a dip, you get a bounce back and and, and that well based on on, on on Yesterday's game, you certainly didn't get that now. I suppose the personnel that they're missing is factoring into that. And and again that's a concern when you hear Peter Cook Stepping away, whatever, but injuries. When you see boys like central players stepping away, you don't like to hear that, and you just you just worry what's going on in Galway. Have they lost that sort of, you know, that that lift that Porrick Joyce gives them? Because he's there. I think it's his fifth year now. Is 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 the impact that he's having in the dressing room starting to? To win a wee bit and that sort of reflecting on the pitch, I, I don't know. I said that, but they have fallen back considerably from from the heights that they they, they reached towards the end of of, of twenty two and even carried into the league last year. So poor Joyce will have to find a way. He needs energy, like and there's no excuse. I, I don't give it. There's no excuse of not being able to to go out and work hard. And and, and you know, I would say that coming from on and but like whatever about the personnel in the jerseys, you can work, you can run, you can tackle, you can show intensity. You know, and it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. You should be able to do that. You know, by all accounts, they were very passive. There was a lack of aggression. You know, in terms of a home against Mayo, that shouldn't happen. That should never happen in Galway. So, so Park Joyce's job in his hands there. He, you know, it's a short season. He needs to get a bit of a bit of energy, a bit of momentum, a bit of positivity back into the camp, and, and he needs to find it quick.
2: Yeah, and I think the disappointment is magnified because I think Patrick Joyce's record against Mayo is really, really poor, even though he's had success against other teams and obviously getting that all in final against Mayo and some big matches. Mayo have got on the, uh, the right side of the result. Colin, what's your perspective on some of the points to raise there and where Galway are kind of coming into 2024?
0: Well, I, th- I do think, first of all, I do think the absentees are a factor. There are four leaders there that were missing. Damien Cobar was picked withdrew with an injury, picked up a training on a Thursday. Yeah, you know, he's prone to injury. He has missed quite a game, a lot of games, important games for for Galway over the last few years. So that's a concern. But also Sean Kelly, who is their their captain and also very much their driving their driving force. Killian McDade was missing too, and Liam Silk has has an injury that he sustained. He's back this year, and he's a if you know he's he's a very important player to them. Peter Cook going, not being not being involved this year. That's probably work related because some of his business is in the U.S. And he has sat out seasons before because of that. So obviously an arrangement couldn't be made whereby he he would be able to prepare for that. So they are missing players. Johnny Glenn as well. That's 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 quite a number of key players that they're missing. Having said that, the points about when Galway are bad sometimes. I didn't think they would go back to those that Chewham 2020 performance against Mayo when they lost by 15 points and then they lost to Kerry in the following year's league. It wasn't as bad as that. But it wasn't far off in terms of just the whole lack of cohesion and the whole lack of effort in places as well at times. Obviously, they did renew and got a bit better in the second half. But with the wind in the first half, they showed nothing. Mayo Mayo were clinical, energetic. uh, They were very crisp in everything they did. Galway Galway were concerningly poor. There's no doubt about that. Um, And you would have thought... That the squad had deepened sufficiently maybe to be able to absorb some of the losses, how significant the losses were. I've obviously made that point, but I thought the depth of the squad would be a little bit better to be able to cushion them better from the loss of those players. And that's not quite the case. So a a real concern for them about that depth, first of all, but also... Just the just the lack of industry at times in that game on Sunday,
1: and as well, column, you know, whatever the players not there, like even to be a big concern, I'd imagine over Shane Walsh's form, and again, not to be hard on any single player, but like he, he's seen as their sort of a talisman now, he just hasn't come back to the form that 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 lit up Croke Park a number of years ago, and. You know, even with Kill McCudds, like he was, he was noticeably per- peripheral peripheral against that game against uh, Glenn. So, so you know, finding something there, like he he has to be seen as that sort of leadership central figure. Um, and then with the likes of Sean Kelly McDade coming back, so if they can find something, they like they have the personnel. That's the only thing. Like they, they know what's there. They, and Park Joyce knows the the potential of the talent there. That's different from a manager that just knows as a there's a ceiling on a certain uh, player. So he just find has to find a way. To, to, to get a bit of fresh, just a bit of energy. And maybe it's just about managing this panel to say, listen, I, I don't need to be good for the league this year because the players just aren't going to be available to me. Let's get right for 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 June and July. And and so maybe we we'll are giving the benefit of the doubt you know we, he, 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 he he's no choice but to maybe play play the longer game knowing that the, the prize for them and the prize that like like I said about Mickey Hart Park Joyce wants to win in All-Ireland Galway or County they talk about All-Irelands not league titles or, or, or Connacht titles so, so maybe he a bit might, we might we we'll are giving the benefit of the doubt we're going to see a bit of a, a longer game from Galway this, this year
2: and then Colin from a Mayo perspective you know obviously the way their season ended last year a heavy defeat to Dublin there was probably a lot of doom and gloom about whether They could get back to the top table. So a perfect start to 2024, not only getting a win, but hammering your biggest rivals on the road as well.
0: Yeah, and strikingly well, very much, very similar team uh, played against Galway yesterday that played against Dublin last and played through the championship uh, last summer. Very, very little change. Fergal Boland was back. He was left out of the Mayo squad at the outset of Kevin McStay's first year. But he was brought back in uh, at the start of this year. Um, He had planned to go to Australia, apparently. Uh, He has put that to one side for now to try and regain uh, and re-establish himself with Mayo. And he certainly made a very good first attempt at that. He scored three points and he was very pivotal with the goal. And he was involved in a couple of other points, certainly for 40 to 45 minutes. He was Mayo's best player. We're all around, and I said it there, very crisp, very... uh, very energetic. Just everything they did was was economical. I thought from Mayo yesterday, even even Owen McLaughlin putting away one of those goal chances uh, that he got. Um, great finish. It could be hit and miss of them, but it was certainly hit yesterday in that moment. So a lot of good signs from Mayo, and I think more so that they've kept largely kept faith with the same with the same team that finished last year. Not too many additions. Uh, David O'Connor and Matthew Rowan obviously missing. Porik O'Hara didn't say what well, he didn't feature, uh, but they brought in uh, Bob Toohey, who looked a tidy player at wing forward, left left half uh, forward. Uh, but I just, again, it goes back to where Mayo's strength always appears to be, and that's their half-back line, Paddy Durkin and Sam Callan. Sam Callan picked up Shane Walsh yesterday, and he stuck rigidly to him, and he's a really fine young defender that can mark, he can drive forward, and, um, and beside him, Paddy Durkin looks to be going really, really well. I've heard that in some of his challenge match performances that he's uh, that he's been really hitting and he's captain again and he showed a lot of leadership. And also, David McBride who scored that goal against uh, Galway in the Championship last year. A couple of great interceptions and drives forwards, drive forwards, so so all around, I think they'd be very, very happy to pair uh, Jordan Flynn and Jack Kearney uh, together. Jack Kearney's uh, at midfield. Jack Kearney's a really good ball player. I think it will give them food for thought as to the composition of their midfield because obviously Ruan and Dermot O'Connor were, were first choice uh, for Mayo last year. But I think it's something they will consider is to, is to move the pieces around a bit because Flynn and Kearney, when they got on ball, they made things happen very, very quickly. And that ball into Aidan O'Shea and into Tommy Conroy and Ryan O'Donoghue in the full foreign line. They kicked a lot of quick ball and were able to support very, very quickly. And put moves together that really left Galway in a spin. Galway weren't ready for the type of game and the ferocity that Mayo brought in that first half against the wind
2: yeah and it sets up that really exciting clash on Saturday evening in uh, Castlebar Mayo versus Dublin sure to be sure to be a good one the final game in Division 1 Tyrone beating Roscommon yesterday afternoon the performance of Dara Canavan was obviously very eye-catching I think he hit 8 points including I think six when Tyrone were down to 14 minutes so are showing great leadership there he's improving all the time and I think Tyrone's opening day records been very poor in recent years so they'll be delighted to get the victory but I, I want to kind of as we move towards the end to discuss a bit of Division 2 action with you and in particular Donegal obviously the return of Jim McGuinness has been a massive talking point 10 years since he was last in an inter-county management role with Donegal they obviously beat Cork very comprehensively in Buffet to get a winning start but just how much potential do you think there is for, for Jim McGuinness to come in and have the sort of impact he he legendarily had you know uh, over a decade ago
0: Uh, I think a huge impact to have Jim McGuinness back obviously people revered him in Donegal for what he did and the attitude he brought as much as anything else they won an all Ireland title but certainly the attitude he brought to the potential and improvement that all their players had and also the sense that he was always fighting for Donegal and that there was he's able to bring siege mentality to a lot of situations but he's also brings superb tactical acumen now, a lot of people will not agree with that say oh Jim Guinness destroyed the game uh, with, with, with the tactics that were brought in but people failed people missed the point that by 2012 a year into his second year Donegal were playing a really fast counter-attacking game getting forward in numbers and it began the evolution of what we actually see now is that numbers are piling into a, into opposing halves yes they were very very defensive in 2011 but by 2012 They had very much expanded that game. And that's why they won their All-Ireland title is because they got those numbers up, those support runners coming from the back all the time. Um, Obviously, he will not bring the same thing to Donegal. And it was quite apparent in uh, looking back at that game uh, yesterday that Donegal will be a high-pressing, very, very energetic team throughout the pitch. And the players that were missing is as relevant as anything else because Michael Langan, who I think will be Obviously, he won't be his Michael Murphy. There probably won't be another Michael Murphy for Jim McGuinness, but Michael Lange will be a really important player for him, as will Oisin Gallen. So with with these players missing, it gives them a lot of scope to improve again. I was surprised by the margin of victory for Donegal. I thought Cork had improved based on last year, and maybe they will improve again. But they were comprehensively beaten there and it's a great sign for Donegal that they are scoring 120 so early in the season. I mean, that wasn't an easy day and it wasn't an easy place in Buffet to put up a score like that. So that's a very, very good sign for Donegal and obviously ominous for other Division 2 opponents who are going to be going up there.
2: Yeah, and it's fascinating that Jim McGuinness will come back, you know, 10 years is such a long time to like not be managing a team. Now, I know he's kind of kept his eye in with various kind of Bits of coaching with clubs and stuff. I and mean, obviously, he was doing soccer as well outside of that. But, like, do you think after 10 years away, you know, the game does move on? Like, it, how do you think that gap will factor into him coming back and the success he might have?
0: I don't think it'll be a problem at all because you said, I think he kept a very, very close, watchful eye on everything that was going on. And he's in that environment of coaching and of analysis and everything that goes with it. And, and okay, it's in a different sport, but. There's a, you know, there's a perceptiveness about coaches that they can adapt and they can uh, cross-pollinate, to use that word. They can, they see things differently. And uh, I'm sure, quite sure, Jim McGuinness has taught quite deep and hard about Gaelic football in the intervening years. He's obviously been a Sky Sports analyst. He's been an Irish Times columnist. He's been involved with a couple of teams here and there. In those years, he's coached a couple of club teams, one down and loud. He's been involved with them from time to time. And obviously he had, a link with down at different times last year as well. So he's kept his eye in, and I'm quite sure he thought quite a lot about it. Uh, and he certainly would have thought, I'm sure, quite a lot about it in the Donegal context too. He would know the players that are there. And even if he didn't, he'd quickly catch up on everything, everything to do with it. So he's put a good, good team around him. He has the support of the entire county and they are they 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 are moving strongly and purposely and forcefully again. Whether it can take them to the top again, I just think Michael Murphy's absence, obviously a young Michael Murphy as they had uh, back in 2011, 2012, that's a big factor too because he's a generational player. So whether they can actually get up to the level they were, they'll be very, very competitive in Ulster over the next two to three years I think they get right up there. I think I, I think they're set for uh they're set for very exciting times.
2: Yeah, certainly one of the massive early season storylines that'll be driving the, the, the narrative going forward. Just to kind of finish up then the rest of Division 2, not a great weekend for the Leinster counties. I'll be allowed push time our very close and we're, and we're unlucky to only lose by a point. But, you know, you mentioned to me off air that you went in to watch Meade uh, host for Manor. They only managed to draw at home. And then Kildare losing at home to Cavan as well. Like, you know, Kildare and Meade are kind of two counties we focus a lot on, kind of... Can they bridge the gap to Dublin and Leinster? Judging by the first weekend, it might be a tough ask.
0: Yeah, I think it will be. I think for both, uh, I didn't see a lot of improvement in Mead, if any. Nothing actually uh, from from last year where they were last year. I, you know, I mentioned in the context of of Monaghan that pace is a factor. I don't think Mead have enough pace in their team to break those lines. And uh, they have a lot of young players, but still, you would have expected. Uh, with the momentum of last year, how last year finished with a Tallinn Cup win, that they would have come into that game uh, you know, a lot a, a lot more, a lot better prepared for it than than, than they were. I don't know that they see the threat of Fermanagh and, and the bolton Kelm certainly defined that difference in pace. The uh, Fermanagh corner forward, he really took the game to me and he put them on the back foot quite a lot. And that was difficult to deal with, and it exposed probably the lack of pace within within that mid team. So they're facing a difficult campaign. I would have felt that was a, a must win game for them. I also felt that was a must win game for Kildare too. But the, looking at the at the the thread of the the thread of results, it they were never really close. There was always a three or four point gap from the middle of the from the middle of the first half. Uh, there was always a three or four point gap between them which would be a very disappointing performance for for Kildare because they had some bad league results last year, notably against Cork uh, uh, pretty early in the season. And like Mead, they would have needed a fast, positive start to this campaign. They haven't got it. And I think now they'll be focusing to the the other end of the division. While, While Calvin, you would have heard, obviously, Stories of difficult experiences in challenge matches uh, in the lead-up to this league campaign. That's a very, very good start for them. And for their new manager, Raymond Gallagher. obviously a bit of a gamble coming straight out of the dressing room uh, to hit the sideline. As he has done, it doesn't happen too often, uh, but that's a very, very good start for Cavan. For
2: yeah, and only three home victories, I think, from the eight uh, fixtures across the top two division. So it shows maybe we're in for a degree of unpredictability and excitement over the coming weeks, which would be very much welcome as we go into a new year. But for the moment, I'd like to thank Colm and Dick Clerkin for joining me on the first episode of the Throne Podcast for 2024. We will be back next week with the show looking back on all the weekend's action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.